0: Hello, and welcome to Walking the Earth Podcast, where we explore the travel lifestyle. You can find us online at WTEPodcast.com, or you can subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher. I'm Mike Margulies. Today, I am in Baltimore, Maryland, uh, and my guest today is Jared Brock. Jared's calling in from Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Jared, how are you doing, man?
1: Hi, Mike. I'm doing well. How are you?
0: I'm great, um, and it's really cool to have you on Um you have a really uh, fascinating story uh, just from what I've heard so far and what I've read from uh, it's, you see on a 37,000 mile pilgrimage around the world doing everything from dancing with rabbis uh, to going to North Korea, visiting monks, even chatting with the Pope. You have a a book about the experience called living prayerfully. um, And it sounds really fascinating and interesting and definitely a different angle uh, than anyone I've had in the show thus far. So, uh, yeah, I guess I'd really be interested. in, Like, what, what inspired the trip for you, man? Uh,
1: well, this trip—it uh, was—it's it, not the first time I've done like some serious epic travel, but this trip, um, particularly, yeah. was—it uh, was actually uh, started in the red light district of Amsterdam. My uh, wife and I run a charity to fight human trafficking and we were undercover making a documentary about the issue and uh we went during the middle of this like huge uh soccer game and there was just like hundreds of drunk dudes just crawling the streets and uh the women in the windows um many of them have been trafficked and we were there with a an outreach worker friend of my wife's and so um you know you just you see the pain and the hurt and the abuse and the pimping and the trafficking that's all going on in that and you see these guys puking in the streets and the police on horseback and the The scene was kind of just so overwhelming, and in the middle of the district is the oldest building in Amsterdam, and it's an 800-year-old church, and uh, it's hmm. still active, and every hour on the hour, the church bells ring, and right. men are abusing women to the soundtrack of church bells, and I just stood in the middle of that, and I was so overwhelmed, and yeah. I just I just had this realization that I needed um, like, spiritual power and prayer to end this crazy injustice, and that started me on this pilgrimage to kind of explore prayer – around the world, um, all sorts of, uh, Judeo-Christian prayer traditions, not just the, you know, the little part of the spiritual world that I kind of come from. So yeah, it was Mm. a wild trip, 12 countries, three continents, 37,000
0: miles. That's, that's wild, man. Actually, um, I'm curious to ask you actually about the Amsterdam bit, um, because I've always, it's interesting because I've always thought of it as in Amsterdam, this is idea, right, where they've legalized the prostitution and therefore it's, uh, you know, they say it's safer and mm-hmm. all this, all this stuff. And I guess something that you bring up that I didn't really have a concept of is I always thought of it as these are people that of their own free will are, um, you know, and I guess from a philosophical perspective, Mm -hmm. I would think, okay, if someone chooses to do this, that's okay. But I didn't have the perspective that a lot of the women there are actually trafficked in.
1: Yeah. Like, I mean, and this was something, of course, that as we researched and interviewed police officers and, you know, care workers and the world that world's experts that we came to realize as well, but like, for example, in the red light districts of Amsterdam, um, they interviewed um, the Hungarian women specifically, and over half of them came from one tiny impoverished town in northeastern Hungary. Like they were basically on like a straight trafficking route to the red light district. Um, choice is, is a fascinating concept regarding prostitution. Mm. Um, so, for example, in the States – so like. It's very easy to to say, you know, if you're over eighteen, you should have the right to sell your body. I think a lot of people would agree with that. But yeah, I
0: tend to be like a libertarian yeah, kind sure. of attitude myself. Yeah, so, of yeah.
1: So, so that's that seems like a reasonable thing. But, but what if? that person was trafficked at the age of 14. And now she's 18 and she says it's her choice. Mm. That really kind of throws into perspective that question. And what's crazy is that in in the United States, the average age of entry into prostitution is 14 years old, which is by definition trafficking. So, you know, if you're starting from a position of trafficking and now you're 18, that really throws the whole choice thing into, uh, you know, limbo. The other part of it, of course, is, Um,
0: choice is an illusion by those who have power
1: yeah potentially and the other (laughs) other part is um, the idea of okay let's say we determine that yes someone should have the right to sell their body do we believe that others should have the right to purchase their body so um, what we determined as a nation was that Um, While it is legal for someone to sell themselves into slavery, picking cotton out of desperation, no one should be able to enslave them on a plantation. We just determined Mm -hmm. that as a nation. And what we found is that in countries that legalize prostitution, they have way more prostitution because it's legal, so people do it. But also, they have way more trafficking because traffickers and pimps see this as a very lucrative business to bring girls into this trade. So. You end up with, you know, like in Germany, 1.1 million men pay for sex every day, and now pimps and and traffickers have brought in over 400,000 women into prostitution there. So we heard some like awful stories of like, you know, teenage girls self performing abortions with coat hangers because they had to get back oh. to the streets for their pimp. Like, it's yeah, it's a, but that's a whole other topic. We're
0: here to talk about travel,
1: but yeah, it is a it was a crazy eye opening experience, and it kind of spurred me on this pilgrimage around the world.
0: Yeah, yeah, that that is very interesting. It certainly is opening my perspectives coming from a libertarian kind of philosophical mm-hmm. mindset. Now hearing you say this gives a new perspective and I guess so and then I I guess I'm interested also this led you to this the religious spiritual pilgrimage. Um, so that's interesting. So you you are saying that you, I guess how do you see it, like the prayer and religious angle as the kind of an answer to these kind of things or well, how that become a, become a thing, I guess.
1: Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I think there's a, there's a very broad concept that most people would agree with that you become like the people you hang out with. So, you know, uh-huh. say that you are the average of your five closest relationships. Yep. I was
0: reading something about that just today. That's so weird. Yeah, It's, it's like um, a
1: big concept. And so <laughs> if you, you know, if you have breakfast every day with Bill Gates, you're going to get better at managing your money. If you have lunch every day with Steven Spielberg, you're going to watch more movies if you spend time meditating and praying, let's say, to Jesus, you are going to become more Christ-like. You're going to become more like the historical person that we know he was, you know, willing to die for his enemies, willing to talk with prostitutes, willing to spend time serving the poor, fighting for justice. You become more like that person, and that's mm. going to change you, and that's going to change the world. So that's kind of kind of a secret uh secret kind of thing about prayer and spirituality that most people just that most people kind of just overlook is that we actually become like whoever we spend time with and that includes spiritual figures
0: that's a really that's a very interesting concept and i could see that working on several angles too like um, so someone who say praise as a christian to jesus could be similar also to maybe someone who's meditating and they are in their mind they're coming closer to say their higher self Mm -hmm. or their god their god inside themselves maybe um and so you're spending time with that person, whether it's a conception of something like Jesus or something of yourself, or you're spending time with that idea of like an idealized human maybe. Mm-hmm. And then you, so you become more of that. Is that kind of what you're saying?
1: Um, like, I mean, I, I do come from a, a Christian tradition. So yeah. I, like, so for I mean, you, it ends up being a lot specifically
0: for like a Christian yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: D- definitely. Like, I mean, well, and I know how, I know how, um, like, broken and messed up i am like my highest self is still like far short of of what i think is out there like i just know how hmm. messed up i am you know like um i but what i think is important is that everything is faith like you have to be a very very large fool to say anything is 100% guaranteed accurate so for example to say that there is no god to me that really Kind of connotes the sense that, okay, you must know everything, therefore you are God. But on the other hand, if you say 100% there is a God, well, then you are also claiming to be all knowing and therefore you must be God. <laughs> yeah. So <Right>. either way, <laughs> either way, like fundamentalism, as we know, is the most dangerous thing on earth. And you know, mm. some people say like religion is horrible. Well, do you know what? Fundamentalist religion is horrible. I think that hardcore capitalism is so dangerous i think that hardcore catholicism or jihadism in islam is like every form of fundamentalism is dangerous it is all faith and when you have faith you you have you come from a position of love and grace and understanding and patience where you just say do you know what Hmm. we we cannot know everything therefore let's learn to get along let's pursue justice together. Let's find the points where we can agree and hopefully move towards a more peaceful world. So yeah, Yeah. that's a rant on faith.
0: (laughs) No, I I mean, I, I, agree with you on that. I mean, so I'm, you know, I'm not a Christian myself, Mm -hmm. but I relate to a lot of the things that you're saying Mm -hmm. in that. um, So, and, you know, I have my own weird views of religion, um, (laughs) but, um, but it's sort of like, there's this idea anybody who decides that I, you know, I know what's best. I went and I know my religion is the right one. And for sure. Mm-hmm. And then, um, I think what you were saying is right. Where if you, if you're doing it right, you end up with a sense of compassion and understanding and you're mm-hmm. wanting to help everybody, but it gets dangerous in the point where it's like, Oh, but I know what the answer is. Right. And everyone should do think the way I think mm-hmm. it's also it kind of, yeah, right. Right. And that's where it kind of becomes like the, the fundamentalist version, right? Where you it's like, it. Yeah. This is the answer. This is the truth. And I know it. And, <laughs> I think there's something to say for, at least for my own, you know, I, I don't know what I consider myself, religious or spiritual, but I do, I, I'm a seeker, you know, mm-hmm. and as I seek myself spiritually, I've, I'm coming to these kind of thoughts of like, all right, well, if I really want to, it's to follow those ideas of compassion and really like accepting of everyone, you know, and I, I don't know, I, I like to think at the end of the day, the different faiths, and maybe you can speak to this, because you spent some time mm-hmm. with people of different faiths, I've kind of found that on a deep level, they, in a lot of ways, are saying the same kind of things. So you talk to a Christian, or a Jew, or, uh, or a Muslim, or a Hindu, or a Buddhist, and, like, there's these core beliefs that kind of, at least from what I've seen, that kind of tether them all together in a weird way. I, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Because you've spent a lot of time... Yeah, like, you know. I mean,
1: I, I just was exploring Judeo-Christian prayer traditions, mm. so I didn't, like, dig into, like, Buddhism, or Hinduism, or anything like that. Um, so I can only speak from, you know, obviously, sure. experience. Um, but... Yeah, You know, there's a new book coming out later this year by A.J. Jacobs, and uh, it's a book about um, genealogy. And they've now realized and discovered that every single person on Earth is at the most 55th cousins. We literally are a (laughs) giant family. And the fact that we beat up and enslave and kill our own family says something about the condition of the human species. Mm. And I just think Mm. that I think you can ask almost any person on earth and they will agree with you that there is more room in this world for grace, humility, love, justice, mm. virtue, character. Like we can agree on that, you know, yep, like yep. 99% of the world can agree on that. So yeah, like, I mean, let's find, let's, let's seek the truth, you know, let's walk yeah. this journey together and figure it out.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I can dig that now. Okay. So I'm going to, here's an interesting question. Um, so I, you know, my, so my spiritual journeys for personally, so I, I went through a separate, a different path, right? Um, but I came to similar conclusions, which I find interesting where like, you know, yes, we want this love and compassion. Is there a time though, I think about, what about the people who are oppressed? Is there, you know, this is a question for myself because I always tend to think I'm a nonviolent man. Nonviolence is the answer. But then you look at, okay, what about people who fight back, um, who are oppressed? Is that, is there a form for that? I, I'm just kind of, I don't know curious to get your thoughts on this uh, mm. as a you know, kind of a man of faith sort of thing i don't know
1: well like i mean let's let's go to a place that i went in this book um i i went to north korea for new year's last year and uh you know there are over there are over fifty thousand christians in concentration camps in north korea it's been rated, really yeah it's been rated the most dangerous place on earth for christians 12 years in a row um over a million people have starved to death in the last 30 years and um it's like being on Mars, Mike, like it's actually a whole other world. But what's interesting is um, it's so much more than political. So the country um, is pretty much anti-religion, but they're actually very religious. So they believe in something called the Juche Idea. And there's actually a giant tower there that's exactly three feet taller than the Washington Monument. So So they can say it's the biggest granite tower in the world. And it's called the Juche Idea Tower. And, Basically, what the what they believe is that they are the captains of their fate and the masters of their soul, and they believe in radical self reliance. That they oh, that sounds like Burning Man. It sounds like all of humanity. That yeah. we are somehow God. But what's interesting is we are not in any way God. We are not. There is not a single self made man on this planet. If only for the fact that we were all breast or bottle fed, like from our very moment of conception. We were reliant on others and on some force beyond ourselves. And Hmm. until North Korea realizes that as a nation, they will always be radically reliant on their dictators because they believe they are self-reliant. But what it ends up being, Mike, is that they go – once a week to a local food dispensary for their like meager allotment of beans and tofu and rice, and they go to department store number one for their annual allotment of clothes, and there is no department store number two. Like every, they are assigned their houses, they are assigned their jobs. It's mm. it's radically reliant, not self reliant, and it's because right. they leave an idea that's simply incorrect that you that we are independent of each other.
0: Oh, we're de- – yeah, I would say – we. I mean, we're clearly – you look at the world, right? We're all very much interdependent, mm-hmm. and that's the nature of what we are. Although, I don't know. Here's a thought. Is it possible that we are all God? And We're, we're getting into a real spiritual process. Uh, no in there, But I don't know. It just seems to be – I just like – I kind of like these kind of talks, though. It's sort of like um, – I, I don't know. There's this – I don't know if this is true or not, but it's a thought I've toyed with is that – if God is everywhere, so in a sense, maybe it's not, there's an arrogance to think like I am God, you mm-hmm. know, that's a dangerous trap. But there's also what if there's, in in India, for example, um, they say namaste, mm-hmm. which is sort of like, it's sort of to say the God within me acknowledges the God within you. Mm-hmm. And there was something I always found to be very powerful about that perspective. Mm-hmm. Um I, I don't know. It's sort of like the divinity within... We all have that divinity within us, and we can all tap into that sort of inner divinity. I, I don't know. That framework seems to work for me, at least. I, I find that an interesting way to look at the world, and that mm. I can find some power within myself, but also not get arrogant about it, also see that everyone else has that within them. And It's a... True or not, I don't know, but mm. something I like toying with, at mm. least. I, I don't know. Uh, any thoughts? Or...
1: Yeah, like I mean, that's a huge, huge conversation. I, I think. Yeah, the, well, we don't have to go yeah. into if you don't want to. <laughs> I, I, think, I think the world is full of beauty and brokenness, and I know that there's good and bad in the world, and there's good and bad in all of us. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, like I mean, I, I think we do have the fingerprints of, of God all over, or uh, you know, right. call a higher power if that, if that you know fits better for you. But I think the hand of God is everywhere, and it's on us. But I also think that we have rejected the higher life. I also think mm. that like on mass culture is far more interested in the newest iPhone than we are in helping mm. our brother or sister in need. I think selfishness is our, our like absolute pursuit in life. Um, right. But well, we're
0: like part God and part animal almost. It's like this weird, it's, it's like the, yeah. human, the human condition. Maybe. Yeah. Like, I mean the Bible, <laughs> call, the
1: Bible calls that the sin nature that it wants to devour us. And it, you know, you fight, you don't fight with dark with the dark with more darkness. You fight it with light. With so light,
0: yeah, right. I, I can I can dig that. I mm. like that. <laughs> um, yeah, really cool. Well, um, and I guess I also want to talk more about travel itself. Mm-hmm. Is this a travel podcast? After yeah, all? It. I guess not not a, not a religion podcast per se, but, <laughs> um, like, but yeah, I mean, so you went all kinds of. Int- you also, um, I mean, I don't know any particular experiences stand out to you that. We're just striking.
1: Well, um, my wife and I actually were granted an audience with Pope Francis and got to have lunch at the Vatican. That was kind of a
0: a fun experience. (laughs) Sweet. So how, how did you end up, uh, landing that gig? You just tell them your project and.
1: (laughs) Well, um, we had tried everything, Mike. like we had tried phone calls, emails, letters to all the consulates and embassies. And I actually got like a fax number in the 21st century. And like, we had tried everything. (laughs) And, uh, (laughs) You know nothing, nothing, nothing. We're praying for an open door, and we actually flew to Rome and like toured the city, and then we went to Avila, where um, sorry, sorry, we went to Assisi, where Saint Francis was from, and then we visited Monte Cassino, where Benedict was from. And our last night All in right. Monte Cassino, there was a Skype voicemail on my answering machine. It said. Uh, hello, this is Monsignor Alfred. Please come to the Domo Sancta Marta at noon tomorrow. So we rush. Back. <laughs> so we rush back to Rome, and uh, everything's closed on Sunday. And we've been traveling for months. So my wife and I actually met the Pope in jeans and yoga pants.
0: That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he's gracious,
1: so it wasn't, like, a big deal or whatever. Yeah,
0: what's he like in person? Well, yeah, so we, we
1: got a couple of m- of minutes with um, Pope Francis, and we got to ask him one question about prayer, and then we actually had lunch with his personal aide. Uh, so we were in the Vatican for a couple of hours, and, um, yeah, the Pope, twice during a conversation, he actually asked me to pray for him, and I thought that was really cool, you know, here mm. – Here's the spiritual leader for a billion people, and he understands his great need for a power higher than himself. So I thought mm. that was super interesting. He's humble.
0: Yeah. yeah well, actually, um...
1: he gave us rosaries as gifts, and they're stamped with his papal insignia. And the motto is lowly, but chosen. Uh, mm. You know, he's entitled to this big papal mansion, but he lives in a spare room with the guest house and eats his meals in the cafeteria. And he was actually at the table beside us for lunch. Like, it's it's really cool to see someone who's like trying to be like the God of the new Testament. Like he's trying to be like Jesus and just be humble. And and that was something I, you know, humility and selflessness are like hugely underrated virtues in modern society. And I'm so attracted to people like that. So yeah, we had a great time uh, at the Vatican and definitely something that you never forget. And like, Vatican City is like one of the ultimate cities to like check off your like travel list because it's like it's a right. country, right?
0: So, yeah, the Vatican's wild. Yeah. I, um, I, I, you know, I almost missed it actually. I went years back and almost completely missed it. Crazy because like, there was like a holiday the next day we were about to leave and we didn't know about it and like the scramble last minute to get there. <laughs> but yeah, it's a wild place, man. Yeah, 100, um, 171 acre country or something like that. It's like, super yeah, long. <laughs> what's striking is just t- to me was like that walking through say the museum there there was every square inch is covered with art like the yeah. floor the walls the ceiling every single solitary square inch had art on it and it was just mind blowing yeah, to me that's amazing um uh yeah it's a it's a fascinating fascinating but i didn't get to meet the pope though so <laughs> yeah <laughs> so fair. i think you had a little bit uh, even more of a unique uh, awesome experience Indeed. there um yeah that's that's really cool man <laughs> um so you know, so you've gone on this thirty-seven thousand mile pilgrimage, um, which is not your first rodeo either. You've yeah, gone exactly. on many other trips. Um, I mean, so where do you where do you go from here? Like, what's something else that uh, going forward that you would like to do that you you haven't already done?
1: Well, like I mean, yeah, we've had a couple of major trips. Um, when my wife and I first got married, we were a pretty typical um, North American couple. You know, uh, nice car, nice apartment, nice stuff. But um, we actually took five months and we backpacked through Central America. And Mm. we did the 100 Things Challenge where we actually like – Purged our possessions and we went on the trip with a total of 88 combined items. And Mike, honestly, that was awesome. so freeing to like, yes, yeah, to yes. get rid of stuff because we, it's so easy to get possessed by your possessions and spend your life doing maintenance, right? And mm. I would much rather have experiences and relationships than possessions that will just turn to dust when I'm dead. So, mm. um, so yeah, so I'm we, with you. Yeah, so we sure. traveled, we got a one way ticket to Costa Rica and then we went. From the Panama Canal all the way to Florida by land transport over five months for under $5,000 total for the two of us. And um, awesome. it just changed everything. Like today, I'm a vegetarian. Uh, we mm. live in a 1975 Airstream trailer. Um, we're carbon neutral. Um, we travel about half the year, location independent, Um digital nomad kind of situation. Yes. And what it's, yes. what we've done is we've really tried to create a margin of time and money in order to work on projects that we feel called to work on. So, you know, making documentaries about human trafficking, writing books about prayer, trying to help people in need. So simplicity, I think, is the absolute key to sustainable long-term travel.
0: Yep. Um, yeah, I couldn't agree more, man. Like that was that was actually, a, for me, that was a process I went through. Oh, where, totally. Um, you know, I, I started off with a lot more stuff than I ended my trip with. Mm-hmm. Actually. So, Amazing. Like, as, like, when I was, <laughs> I spent like, you know, 15 months backpacking around India and Southeast Asia. And like, as it went on, it was like, this is way too much stuff. I'm just mm-hmm. carrying around for no reason. So like, and it was so, like you said, it was just so liberating, you know, at the, mm-hmm. once I got it down just like this one backpack and then it was, wow, this is great. All I have is this backpack and a guitar and that's just it. Amazing. And like, it's just, yeah, you, it frees you up. And, uh, much respect to you for what you've done because you've, you've now that you've gone like a step further, um, which is something I'm still like, um, working on myself, which is to become really like truly location dependent, the digital nomad lifestyle. Mm-hmm. You, you you've, you've actually made products and you, and it's not only that, but you're working on things that clearly things that you are passionate about. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're working towards causes, um, that you believe in and you've, yeah, you found a way to make that. You know, part of just your life and your lifestyle, and I, I really admire and respect that what you've done. So that's really cool.
1: Oh, that's awesome.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, so you, I guess, sounds like you're just kind of uh, looking to continue this same sort of lifestyle. Yeah. Like oh yeah. Scripts. So I, yeah. So I
1: guess I guess in answer to your question, so we, yeah, we. We we base camp ourselves here in Canada for the nice months. So six months a year we live in the airstream, and our bills are like you know less than five hundred bucks a month kind of thing, including like Wi Fi, heat, hydro, rent, the whole nine yards.
0: That's awesome. Yeah,
1: and then the other six months a year we try to avoid Canadian winters by. Base camping ourselves somewhere overseas, kind of in the middle of where we want to do our next project. So right now we're really toying about the idea of base camping in Germany, uh, you know, over – the six months come the fall. Um, my wife um, is starting to work on a book. We also, our charity, which is called Hope for the Sold, um, we're releasing a, a series of free online classes about human trafficking. Um, hmm. I'm working on my next novel, um, and so so we can we can do those things from anywhere. So Germany is a great spot because you can fly anywhere in West Western Europe very affordably yeah. and very quickly. So um, it's actually a, it ends up being a good stewardship because. It would cost you know at least fifteen hundred bucks a month when you include heat, hydro, Wi-Fi, the whole nine yards here in Canada. Right. Whereas we can do that in Germany for cheaper and have more you access. You mean like in the winter
0: time it goes up in Canada? Well, so- no,
1: just like it's expensive to live in any big city, basically. Yeah. Well, I mean,
0: versus like you said, you're able to get by for like 500 now. Yeah.
1: When we live in the trailer, but it, we can't. Uh, we can't stay in the trailer in the winter, obviously. It's, right. Right. So, yeah. so
0: that that's that works for like summertime Canada living, but not for wintertime. Yeah. Right? Exactly. Canada. Okay. Gotcha.
1: Yeah. So we actually end up saving money, and we're closer in proximity to the experts that we want to reach out to, to the places we need to visit for the projects we're working on. So it ends up being smarter financially, and it also ends up being just like a really Uh, like eye-opening experience like i've i really do believe that a change of place plus a change of pace equals change of perspective Mm. and it's so easy to get caught in a rut of just well we've all been here of just like doing life you know american dream white picket fence nine to five lifestyle and it's draining because it's so selfish so when you step outside of that you can actually give back and you find that life is just far more rewarding
0: Mm. yeah yeah absolutely i'm I agree, man. <laughs> Some very similar, uh, conclusions I've come to mm-hmm. as well. <laughs> um, yeah, but it sounds like you're doing all that. So you, you just mentioned it. Yeah. Hope for the sold is, uh, so hope for the com is like your blog mm-hmm. about, uh, the, the sex trafficking. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So you've got course offerings in there as well. And that, yeah, th- uh-huh. those are
1: going to be launching later this summer. Um, okay. We, so my, my book is called A Year of Living Prayerfully. And uh, you can actually see the book trailer and uh, download the first two chapters for free at livingprayerfully.com. And um, yeah. uh, we have actually set up a second nonprofit that owns my book. So all of my author royalties are going to go to charity for this book. And uh, oh, it, awesome, it's man. printed on uh, on uh, sustainably forested trees. Like we want to be a good – we want to be good environmental stewards as well. So, yeah, we're really hoping that people, like, really pick up this book and love it. Like, it's very, um, like, not religious. It's a humorous book on prayer. It's never been done before. So um, the, the early reviews have been great, and people are really having a good good laugh when they read it. You know, like, we go to, like— I enjoyed the video. Yeah, we went, <laughs> went to, like, a nudist church. Like, we did also. i walked across a bed of hot coals, like, all- danced with rabbis, like, all sorts of interesting things. So, yeah, um, livingprayerfully.com is where you can find all that
0: stuff. Great. Yeah. And I will also, of course, um, post up the links at an for the show notes with this episode uh, and the blog right up at WTEpodcast.com. I'll link up to uh, all the ways folks can find you. So that's livingprayerfully.com and also hopeforthesold.com. Any others I should add? Uh, uh, social we'll, medias or anything you're on or any other sites? Um,
1: Twitter at Jared Brock, Facebook at Jared A. Brock. Uh, the f- documentary is called Red Light, Green Light.
0: Cool. I'll, I'll link up to all those things um, where folks can find you. Um, but yeah, this was a, a really cool conversation. Definitely a unique angle on uh, on taking the travel that uh, versus other folks I've talked to so far on the show. So I really appreciate you know getting the chance to to get this perspective. Yeah, my pleasure, really Michael. That's great. Yeah, yeah, and it sounds like um, you know you're doing good things. You're you're helping out um, to make positive change in the world, and, and at the same time, you are. Sounds like you have a personally for yourself, a very fulfilling life, Mm -hmm. following, following this path and doing things that you're passionate about, helping others. And, um, yeah, so much respect to you, man. Yeah.
1: Thanks for having me, Mike.
0: Yeah. Thank you for coming on the show. Um, and thank you everybody out there for listening to this episode of walking the earth podcast. Uh, you can find us on iTunes, Sound Stitcher. We're also on Facebook. We're on Twitter at WTE podcast, or you can find us all these links and all the ways to find Jared as well at WTEPodcast.com. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we will catch you next time.